Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, I want to welcome Scott Bennett. Scott is a U.S. Army Special Operations Officer, 11th Psychological Operations Battalion, Civil Affairs Psychological Operations Command, and a Global Psychological Warfare Counterterrorism Analyst. His goal through writings and lectures is to bring awareness of modern psychological warfare, the international military intelligence community, and the global surveillance operations being artificially generated under the specter of national security. Also, the abuses of power and deception being employed by our own military intelligence community. He filed legal action against Booz Allen Hamilton and the Department of Defense for their involvement in secret Swiss bank terrorist finance operations. Scott, how you doing tonight? Chris, it's good to be with you. Thank you, pal. I'm doing fine. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And I also want to thank you so much for standing up against these psychopaths that are running things behind the scenes. Um, tonight, I just want to give you the floor to tell us your story because it, it's something that everyone needs to hear if they, hasn't, if they haven't already. But I do want to get a little bit more about your background before you begin. So I'm going to go uh, and hand it over to you. Well, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, my background is is pretty much uh, was in the Bush administration. I was at Heritage Foundation, and I was uh, uh, a defense contractor for Booz Allen Hamilton. And I was given a, a military uh, direct commission in the Army, and went to work in psychological warfare and information operations. And I was at the State Department. I was at SOCOM and CENTCOM. I was at the Pentagon. I was at a lot of interesting places working with three letter agencies. And I had a TSSEI clearance. I never talked about anything classified, of course. But I saw firsthand a lot of the terrorist financing that Saudi Arabians and the Clinton Foundation and the Obama administration were doing and Eric Holder and Lanny Brewer and the Department of Justice uh, working with uh, Rene Alexander Acosta. At the time, he was uh, the, the uh, U.S. District Attorney down in Florida. Uh, so I saw a lot of this stuff and I started filing reports and, and uh, you know, briefings and trying to uh, I, I guess do my job better when when I started to disrupt the apple cart and started to uh, show I was start I was trying to solve and end the wars rather than perpetuate them. The military industrial complex high priests like Dov Zakheim and uh, uh, others in in uh, the the Pentagon under Obama and, and CIA Brennan and and uh, Clinton and Comey and uh, well Comey and and uh, uh, you know Dov, uh, Rogers or uh, uh, Lanny Brewer and Loretta Lynch, all of them uh, essentially conspired to throw me in jail using a paperwork error on a housing form to justify an 18 USC 100-1 charge. Same thing they've charged Flynn with, only I didn't take a plea. I fought it, and uh, it's still in the appeals process, and I anticipate it will eventually work its way to the Supreme Court and be thrown out because it was the first time in the history of the United States that they tried to do this and the oddity and the impossibility of them doing this indicates that there was a lot more afoot. That's why they did this. And uh, people ask, well, what were you really doing? Who were you really? What was, what was their real fear? Uh, were they angry about you and uh, uh, your paperwork error or were they angry at you because you were disclosing and making noise and filing whistleblowing reports about terrorist financing? And it was the latter. 
And, uh, you know, the whole story is, com is compiled in the military whistleblowing report to Congress, which I filed, and it's called Shell Game, a military whistleblowing report to Congress. And people can see it at shellgamewhistleblower.com, uh, or they can go to the publisher of the, the book, lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com. Uh, and they can also go to patreon.com uh, slash shellgame. Uh, I'm on Facebook, but the easiest way is to email me and contact and follow the social media on uh, shellgamewhistleblower.com. But all of this involves people like uh, Edward Snowden, who was a colleague of mine at Booz Allen Hamilton. It involves Julian Assange, who was the WikiLeaks publisher. It involves, of course, Brad Birkenfeld, the uh, Swiss bank uh, whistleblower, who I met personally and debriefed about 15,000 bank accounts that Hillary Clinton stole with Eric Holder and Landy Brewer and have been using for dark operations, billions of dollars. And uh, Rene Alexander Acosta was the one who prosecuted the Swiss bank case. And uh, really, he, he's one of the pinatas that the Trump administration needs to hang upside down and beat with a bat till he empties out all his candy of contacts because not only was Rene Alexander Acosta uh, prosecuting the Birkenfeld Swiss bank case, which was 2009, the very first play-to-pay uh, operation that Hillary Clinton did. But he also did the Epstein case. And the reason he did Epstein, and the, re the reason he gave a good deal to Epstein, uh, was he didn't want to disclose the Hillary Clinton-Bill Clinton connection. And he also didn't want to disclose the Hillary Clinton connection to the Swiss banks that Brad Birkenfeld brought over. So all of this is documented. All of this is going to be testified in the court of law. All of this will be heard before Congress and the Senate. It's already known by the White House. And it's the absolute truth. It's a rock of Gibraltar that I stand on, that Brad Birkenfeld stands on, and that many others, including Julian Assange and Edward Snowden, uh, will, will testify about. And I think it's going to trigger the biggest revolution in this country when people really fully understand what has been done since 2009. And I've, I go around you know, the country and I give talks on this. I uh, have written extensively on it. I've been in international arenas talking about this. I've been on RT and Sputnik and Russian television and Iranian television and European television talking about it because the mainstream media won't cover it. The mainstream media has become the propaganda voice box of the uh, I don't know how you describe them. They're not even Democrats anymore. They're not leftists. They are socialist, communist, lobotomized, robot, automatons, androgynous uh, drones. Uh, what's happened to this country over 20 years has become so sickening that, you know, it, the only thing you can really say is the end times are coming close because so much of humanity, especially in the United States, and it is in Europe too, but in the Americas, uh, this country is falling apart at the seams. President company excluded, of course. The salt and light continue to get brighter and saltier, but so much around us is disintegrating into lies. So many people around us are disintegrating into the addictions of materialism and vanity, from Trey Gowdy to, to all these people that are supposedly on the right Republican side, uh, Ron Johnson, and I can't tell you how many congressmen and senators that I've personally engaged with about this material and they all turn white like a sheet and run away from it. So, you know, I've lived this fight. I've personally been bloodied by it, and I've been attacked. I've been, uh, I've had all sorts of spies and honeypots and stuff thrown at me, uh, but I keep, I keep, char you know, moving forward in the course. I don't deviate. I don't look to the left or the right. I keep on discussing what I know, and all of this incorporates 
you know, the Russia hoax, why this was originally done. And here, here's another thing I'll share. In 2013, uh, I was called in by a guy uh, at my prison when I was thrown in prison at camp. I was called in by the warden. His name was James Petrucci. James Petrucci said, "I want you, we've got an interview for you. And uh, he took me down and he introduced me to Michael Isakoff and Tom Hamburger. And they said to me, you know, after two hours, I, he basically, James Petrucci walks me into a room and he says, gentlemen, this is Scott Bennett, as if he's introducing Hannibal Lecter. And uh, Michael Isikoff and Tom Hamburger sit down and I start talking to him about Shell Game and Snowden and Birkenfeld and all of this stuff and my knowledge of them and my Booz Allen Hamilton, expecting them to publish it, expecting them to say, what the hell is this guy doing in prison? What is it, you know, expecting the media to be the arm for the public, to be the information fact, you know, a deep throat sort of voice of nobility. I really honestly expected that because I was an officer. I had an honor code. I took an oath and I expected that from Michael Iskoff and Tom Hamburger. Instead, they said nothing except, why do you think the CIA would do this? Two months later, I had family with their computers stolen uh, in California, you know, uh, across the other side of the country. Uh, and I knew right there that Isakoff and Hamburger were CIA assets. Never mind the fact that now that Isakoff was the one behind the Christopher Steele story. Never mind that Tom Hamburger was the one behind the uh, Donald Trump Jr. WikiLeaks story. These are CIA guys. And, Mike, and, and James Petrucci introduced him. Well, here's the point uh, why Petrucci is significant is because he is now the prison warden who has been assigned to the Jeffrey Epstein jail to clean it up. So Petrucci was an army guy. I liked him, but there's a weird nexus. Petrucci, Birkenfeld, Bennett, uh, and now Petrucci, Epstein, and then Epstein, uh, Birkenfeld, uh, Hillary Clinton, money, Swiss banks, Deutsche Bank, and Epstein, Renee Alexander Acosta. And Acosta and, and uh, Birkenfeld, Acosta was the one who prosecuted Birkenfeld, the Swiss banker. So all of this stuff is, is there. It's like a big puzzle piece that's been dumped on the table, and we're just putting all the pieces together and saying, oh, here's the part here, here's the part here, here's Hillary Clinton, here's John Brennan, here's Leon Panetta, here's uh, uh, Obama, here's Eric Holder, Lanny Brewer, here's the law firm Covington & Burling that used to employ Eric Holder and Lanny Brewer. Covington and Burling, the law firm that then sidled up to General Michael Flynn and is representing General Michael Flynn. Why? Because General Michael Flynn got a report shell game in August of 2012 and went on to write the, the DIA cable that talked about what we had told him and what we had told General Mattis. The Swiss and the Saudis and the Qataris were financing terrorism. And that's why they went after James Mattis and fired him. That's why they went after Michael Flynn and fired him. Uh, that's one of the reasons they thought they could invent this Russia hoax was because I was on Russian television talking about this. So when they say the Russians have dirt on Hillary, <laughs> They did, although it was a little bit different. It was Scott Bennett's truth. It wasn't dirt, lies. It was Scott Bennett's truth that the Russians had from my uh, interview on RT uh, that the dark powers were getting a hold of, and then they had trapped Papadopoulos with all of this stuff, and they've created this elaborate Russia hoax, uh, I think based on the original revelations that we were bringing to light in 2012 that we've been constantly banging the drum on. It's never gone away, we've never dissipated, the story's never changed, it's just gotten more complicated and better and better. We now see Acosta, we now see uh, you know, uh, Epstein, we, we of course knew Hillary Clinton and 
and uh, Eric Holder and this law firm Covington, Sidney Powell, who now knows and represents Michael Flynn. She knows all about this. Michael Flynn's brother knows about this because I briefed them. I met with them and I uh, gave all of this to them. So it, it's an interesting twilight zone uh, uh, wormhole that, uh, you know, I always invite people, if you've got the stomach and the, the, the gravitas and the, and the discernment to be able to grasp this, it will transform your world from black and white into full color. But if you don't have the heart, if you don't have the stamina, if you want to keep your life in this world of material things, if you're so drunk on cowboy patriotism uh, that you think America can do no wrong and our mission is to go beat the shit out of the world and, uh, you know, and make them into little Walmarts and Star Starbucks, you're going to be, you're going to find what I have to say disagreeable because right. it's not that I have any animosity or that I'm, I have an agenda. I don't. I was an officer in the United States Army. I took an oath and I take that oath seriously, especially around domestic enemies and the domestic enemies that I swore to defend my constitution and my countrymen from are Eric Holder and Lanny Brewer and Loretta Lynch and Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, not because they're Democrats, but because they're traitors who've sold this country's birthright out. And it was sold, it was sold to Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Swiss banks and business interests. Uh, and, and sadly, I think Trump is also kind of following a lot of that pattern, but I'm hoping that he is going to pull us out and guide us in a, in a better direction. Uh, but you know, we, we have to be alert on all things. We, we can't give political loyalties to anybody except the truth. And uh, this Epstein thing, he's dead, allegedly. We don't know that. I don't know that. I haven't seen him. So he's either dead or alive. If he's alive, I hope he's in a witness protection program because he's a great big pustule with poison in him that can be squeezed and he can show every bad guy on this planet, especially the United States, that's been compromised with sex pedophilia child uh, trafficking issues on his Lolita Island. If he's dead, it means we're the stupidest people on the face of the planet and the stupidest government with the stupidest president because he shouldn't be dead or we are the most corrupt because he's dead. We've killed him or we've allowed him to be killed or we were just so stupid and ignorant that uh, it just happened this way. Either way, the American people have a right to say, you're fired. You're out of here. We're not, we can't tolerate uh, a, an attorney general like you or a Bureau of Prisons director like you or a president like you. Now, I hope that's not the case. I'm always, I voted for Trump. I liked him. I, I thought he was better than Hillary, but I'm not selling, uh, I'm, I don't sell myself for anybody, to any political ideology or any voting bloc. We have to stick to the truth because as Washington said, political parties and all of that really don't matter. We, we have to uh, stick to the constitution. And right now we're in a constitutional crisis with all sorts of psyops and false shootings and Antifa this, this and uh, you know, border issues, all that. There's a lot of chaos going around in the country. So uh, I try and stick to uh, zeroing in and not being carried away by the emotionalism. I'll stop right there. Well, now, I thought it was important that you actually bring us back. I'd like to hear about um, your state of mind before this all started. You know, how did you feel about our government, our military, our country? It's, and then uh, tell us how you came about this information and how it all changed for you. Well, 
you know, the, the, one of the greatest revelations that I had was 9-11. And I didn't really think or discover or question 9-11 until I was thrown in prison. And I think, uh, you know, God orchestrates all things for reasons, but it's only in prison when you have the time to be quiet and think. And uh, I never took a plea deal. I was always fighting and I was learning law. I was in a camp so I could type. That's why I was protected. I was loved by all the mafia people that were in there because I was the one who was typing, getting them their licenses back or getting into, get into drug programs or getting them out early. Uh, and, and it was quite an education. But learning 9-11 was quite a revelation. What happened to me and them doing this at the time, to be honest with you, I thought it was an error. I thought it was a mistake. I thought they were doing this either because of stupidity or, or error or they were doing it to put me through a training module as if I was going through search evasion, rescue, or resistance and escape training, which is something the Army puts you through to prepare you for you know, being captured and interrogated and things like that. I honestly thought maybe they were doing this to test my mettle, to see how far they could push me uh, before you know, I, I gave in or I broke or I, I uh, you know, compromised. So for that reason, I never did. I never broke. I never embarrassed the army. I never fought the way I, I thought you know, now I should have. And David Shalala, Donna Shalala's nephew, was brought in to be my attorney, uh, which I thought was all, again, a political setup. But I thought they were going to pull me out at the last minute because Obama was in power. But David Shalala was assigned to be my attorney. He didn't present any evidence to exonerate or exculpate me. Instead, he just kind of sat silently and didn't put me on the stand. I couldn't present any of my evidence that would have showed every charge, you know, the, the whole uh, making a false statement was totally unconstitutional because only the military can, can, can uh, charge for things like that. It's like charging someone for, for, you know, shooting a weapon on a military base. Well, you can't do it if you're a military person on a military base because you're shooting a weapon as a performance of your duty. That's how crazy this whole thing seemed to me. That I thought, this is not sane. But then again, I was dealing with the Obama administration and Eric Holder and Lanny Brewer. There's nothing sane about these people. It's all about power. It's all about bloodlust. It's all about money. That's why Holder was given weapons to the, to the Mexicans and the Fast and Furious. So, you know, I saw all this and I didn't, I didn't, it didn't hit me until I was thrown in jail. And, uh, you know, God, if I'll put it this way, had I not been put in jail, I would never have discovered the Swiss bank accounts that really completed my mission and gave me the financial intelligence that I needed to report all of this. And that's the White Hats. That's, you know, God through, working through the White House, but the deep state never expected that. Uh, good people did. My old boss, Colonel Jeff Jones did. Uh, but I think there was a lot more at play that I didn't know at the time. My job was just to be the Tasmanian devil in the China shop. That's what I was good at doing. I was a pit bull hanging on a rubber tire. No one could get me off. And people who knew me knew that. They, they would always say, put Bennett in there. He'll get the job done and no one will back him down. And that can be an asset, but it can also <laughs> get you in trouble because they threw a big blanket on me and tried to Shanghai me and, uh, you know, throw me into a net and then cast me into the sea. But they didn't realize sinking down into the bottomless pit of the sea, I found the, the pirate's treasure of Swiss bank accounts. And I swam back to the top and I threw it up on the beach and told every congressman and senator and military person, look at what I found. And they're just horrified that I'm still alive. Who is this guy? I thought we threw him in jail. How in the hell did he get out? You know, they thought I was digested in the belly of the beast, but I was a packet of M1000 firecrackers blowing their guts up from the inside. That's why they, they won't even say my name. 
they're they're so terrified. What but were I mean, the uh, what were the circumstances that led up to your arrest, and what were the charges basically? Well, they they uh, stopped me at the they stopped me at the gate of the the base, and I thought it was a test at the time because they had stopped me. So I I went into you know role playing mode. Oh, okay, they're stopping me. They're going through a seer event, and uh, they you know threw me in jail for allegedly a, a DUI, you know, and which was totally false. There was no DUI. It was thrown out later as is completely fabricated. That's why I thought it was fake, and then uh, they they. Uh, I drove back the next day and they stopped me and they arrested me again. And I thought, Oh, okay. Another, another test. And they put me into a holding cell. And, uh, you know, about eight hours later, I, I thought they'd come in and say, you, you passed the test. Uh, instead they came in and said, well, your housing form's not properly done. And I'm looking saying, well, yeah, everything's done that needs to be done. Uh, but again, I wasn't saying too much because I thought it was a training element and they, uh, released me. And then nine months later, they uh, after David Shalala had come up to me and said, "I'm I'm your attorney. I'm 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 going to make this go away and stuff." They uh, he said, "Just don't say anything. Don't don't say anything. It'll all go away." And uh, I wasn't saying anything until I uh, wrote a report about "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" and how that the changing the homosexual policy in the military was going to cause a lot of the Muslim countries to sort of turn against us. And uh, when I submitted a report on that, one month later, I got my indictment for this false statement nine months earlier. And I thought, this is, this is bizarre. And they took me down to Florida and uh, charged me with 18100-1. And they added on an enhancement because I had a gun safe that had come on base from a moving truck and uh, as if I had performed a crime with a gun. And I mean, it was so bizarre, it's, it's impossible, but they got away with it. And, and see, that's where people, unless you've been through the prison and jail system and the charge, you don't know just how corrupt it is. And they got away with charging me. I should have been released on probation until all, and I thought I would. I thought all this would be thrown out. I thought I'd be given a chance to appeal. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet for a while. And if this is good, turning sour, I'm going to run to the military and make a hell of a lot of noise. Well, they instantly, again, in violation of all the protocols and the sentencing guidelines, they threw me in jail. And the minute after the case was over, instead of releasing me, as they should have, and they uh, gave me, they kept me in jail for five months, and then they sentenced me to two and a half years in prison. And it was there that I learned 9-11 when I was in there. I learned 9-11 was a false flag event. Uh, I you know, studied all of the science. I had people that were there who knew all of the, you know, individuals who had researched it from Judy Wood to Barbara Honiger to Jim Fetzer to, you know, architects and engineers and on and on and on. That's where I started learning that. So imagine the double whammy of being bitten and attacked and betrayed by the people in the military and the institutions and the political sector that I was supposed to be fighting for. And remember, I was a conservative Republican. I, I had been at Heritage, I'd been in the Bush administration, I'd been at the top levels of counterterrorism. How in the hell could you do this to me? And yet they did it. And then while I'm in there, I learned 9-11 was, was a complete false flag and all this stuff. And I, I just, I came out going, wow, the, the, the lies I've been told about the country and the government and the missions and all that need to be exposed and shared with, I mean, as many people as I come across and shared not from an emotional, selfish point of view, but from a scientific, factual point of view, from a truthful point of view. Uh, and and any, you know, any of these perpetrators of the myth of 9-11 are, you know, are doing it up lies and an, an agenda. 
I'd say the the one thing I've had the the good fortune of doing is working and interviewing on, on my own radio show uh, we do on freedomslips.com twice a week. We interviewed with uh, Barbara Honiger and the lawyers committee who are filing an exhibit uh, uh, affidavit and a demand for a grand jury investigation into the explosives that were used in 9-11. And that is happening. And the firemen in the New York City area have written a letter demanding an investigation into the explosives that were used in crumbling of the Twin Towers. Now imagine that for a second. The firemen in New York are demanding an investigation into explosives that were used into the Twin Towers. What that does is tell every fireman in the world that the brothers in the fire department that were sacrificed and murdered and killed or slowly killed over cancer, uh, that threw themselves into harm's way on 9-11, all firemen need to stand up and uh, demand an investigation and avenge the blood of their fallen comrades. And I think that is going to turn America upside down when this starts to reverberate and take hold. I think the fake media is going to disappear like a piece of paper in an inferno. Uh, I think you're going to possibly have a lot of civil war, uh, not necessarily violent, but you're going to have an attitudinal civil war in this country where people rise up and say, you know what? There were fireworks, there were, uh, you know, explosives that were used in the, in the Twin Towers. The, the, the firemen who are demanding an uh, investigation are doing it out of good motives, motives to avenge the blood of their brothers that were sacrificed, and a motive to expose something that may have been a false flag trap, regardless of who did it, CIA, Mossad, both all of the above, Saudi Arabia, the fact is it was false. It was a lie. It was, a, it was an entrapment. And the firemen were killed right after the buildings were pulled or destroyed, right after the firemen got to the top of the building and said, give us another line and we'll put this fire out. Right then the buildings fell. So imagine every fireman uh, in every firehouse station across the country getting more furious and angry and firm in their conviction for vengeance, not necessarily violent or blood, but legal vengeance to bring down upon and expose this hoax and bring down upon the heads of everybody who covered it up and was party to it, Dick Cheney, Don Rumsfeld, Condoleezza Rice, Dick Myers, Dove Zakheim, George Bush, Colin Powell, bring in all the witnesses from Susan Lindauer and, and all the others who were put in jail after it. I think this is going to be explosive, and internationally it could be explosive too, because the firemen in this country are recognized as paramilitary heroes. Imagine, how, who, who do you keep in highest esteem uh, than firemen? You even hold them higher than cops. I mean, police have a bad rap. Police have a bad reputation. You know, they're thugs, they're bullies, they have guns, they think that they're, you know, tough because they have guns. Yeah, there's some good ones, but there's a lot of bad ones. And you have them killing people and engaging in drugs and child trafficking. You have some real dirty cops that do dirty things. There are no dirty firemen. For, to, to the most part, for, for, for all the public's awareness, there's no dirty emergency responders. They're there to help and heal and keep people safe by putting out fires and keeping them alive and taking them to the hospital. They're loved more than the military. Let me say that again. The firemen of this country are loved more than the military. And I think when the firemen start to wake up and rise up and stand and create this domino effect and take it around to every state, that the firemen in New York are demanding an investigation into the explosives 
and in analyzing the videotape and the audio tape that, that uh, says very clearly explosives were going off, I think what's going to go off is the shot heard around the world that hasn't been heard since 1776 in the Boston Revolution. Now, something that I find encouraging is that the amount of people that are waking up to some of these events, uh, I, you know, with the Epstein thing, I was shocked to see the amount of people that saw right through it immediately. Um, I mean, do you see sort of the same things happening where people are just, you know, just starting to wake up to the, to the bullshit going on? Well, I do. I don't think they can stomach it, stomach it anymore. I think it's like they've been, you know, I, I've said the analogy I've used before is we have had so much poison and lies and propaganda and crap stuffed into our gullet and up our, you know, uh, rear passage. Uh, we are constipated with lies and propaganda and, and deception, we're constipated by this corruption of Obama and Hillary Clinton, and Trump is our enema. Trump is the, we've hoped he was the dynamic force of flushing us clean from all of this propaganda and lies and distortions and corruption. And he may or may not, but I think the internet and the voice of truth from, from alternative radio and shows such as yours and others that is the real enema. That's the real cleansing agent that is being inserted into people and, and flushing out of them uh, the, this whole backup of toxicity and lies. And it's a traumatic experience to a certain degree. Uh, some people can't handle it. Most, but you know what? They don't ma matter. The only people that matter are those who want to know the truth and can handle it and are yearning and searching and struggling that, that realize uh, we have a major, you know, disc in our back that needs to be realigned. We need political chiropractic adjustment here because we're wa we're walking as as you know crippled and something seriously out of joint. We're we're a, a sickly body politic, and uh, it's got nothing to do with party. It's got everything to do with the heart and soul of the country. I think people in instinctively recognize that, and that's why. They're yearning for like independent leaders. That's why Trump was elected is not because he's a Republican. There was no one worth a damn in the Republican circles. I knew that from my days, you know, in the, in the Republican party, I think they all dropped the ball and became, you know, log cabin Republicans and started bending and washing and softening up and becoming environmentalists and all this other stuff. They weren't true Republicans. And uh, because of that, Trump came to power as an independent. He, you know, said he was a Republican. People voted for him. I think the same thing's going to happen in 2020 unless he gets us into a war, unless he's stupid enough to pick a fight with Iran or Russia or China. Uh, he, he, he has this to win, but it, he can still lose. He could lose this by allowing the Democrats to brand him as a, a warmongering president. And that will break his back because Americans are not willing for one more war or conflict. They're not willing. They're not going to allow going to fight against Iran. They certainly don't want to go fight against uh, Russia. They don't care too much about China. Yeah, they like cheap Nikes and cheap television sets. But at the same time, every American, I think, looks at the Chinese communists like robots from the Borg in the Star Trek series. They don't like them. But the Borg, the Chinese, are probably going to do a guerrilla war of Vietnam in Hong Kong. They're going to crack down and do a major Tiananmen Square. And I could see a major conflict uh, with Hong Kong now uh, in order to see if they could provoke Trump into a counter-reaction uh, that would result in him losing the 2020 election. Because if China goes in with 
they do a full-on naval blockade, naval siege, and they're already doing that, stopping American ships, stopping American planes. Everything's cut off out of Hong Kong. Anybody who wants to go to Hong Kong has to redirect through China. If they did something like that and they cracked down and killed all these, you know, protesters waving the American flag and the British flag who are, you know, calling for democracy, if the Chinese did that and Trump reacted and suddenly you had China and America standing toe-to-toe with military boats and planes and, you know, naturally you'd get ships sunk and people killed, I think China would say, aha, now, now we can get Trump removed because he's a war president. And if they don't do that before 2020, then Trump's going to get in and then he can continue what he's doing, which is economic strangulation or economic warfare against China. And he's been doing it against Iran and he's been doing it against Russia. Uh, I, I personally don't think he should be doing it against Russia. I think Russia is our best ally against the Chinese. Uh, but, you know, he's got some real bad advisors around him, too, that are obsessed with making war with Iran. And Iran's not our enemy. They're not the ones who are behind the madrasas and the Wahhabi terrorism ideology. That's all Saudi Arabia. But we've managed to piss off Iran and get into such a, a confrontation that people have forgotten which way is up. So he's, he's, uh, he's got some major diplomatic lessons to improve upon. Uh, but I, I, I do have hope and I want to keep hope alive with him. But, uh, you know, what, what we've seen with, look, Julian Assange, again, I'll play the same line. If Julian Assange is being kept in a jail in Britain, then Trump is the dumbest president we've ever had. Because Julian Assange, I know personally, has more evidence and testimony that would blow open the deep state uh, like a, you know, plastic explosive, you know, against a, against a wall. Uh, Julian Assange has all of this. And if he is being held and killed slowly and lobotomized slowly by the British and Trump is doing nothing to get him out, you know what? He deserves to be kicked out of office because he's an idiot. But if he's not, and if Julian Assange is in a witness protection program and, and safe, okay, good. He's smart because Assange has all this stuff. But, you know, what, what do we see around us in the mainstream media information? What is the average narrative that's being told to people in America and the West? That narrative is that Julian Assange is being held in jail. Well, everybody who's got a brain and a, and a desire for freedom is furious about that because they're saying, what the hell are you having him in jail for? He's a whistleblower that showed us the biggest crimes that our government was doing in our national surveillance program. Snowden brought this to the light. Julian Assange is a hero whistleblower. Who cares about helicopters killing Iraqis? I don't care about that. I care about Hillary Clinton killing Americans using Swiss bank accounts and funding bad guys. That's what Julian Assange can provide. I care about America killing other Americans like Seth Rich. Was Seth Rich the DNC uh, staffer that brought out all of the Podesta and Hillary Clinton emails? Was he the one that got into WikiLeaks? Julian Assange seemed to confirm that in his interview with Sean Hannity. So, you know, there's a bizarre Twilight Zone level of are we stupid or are we corrupt? Or are we missing something? Is this a psychological operation? Is this a distraction? Is this a, an influence operation? And uh, Q and all this other stuff people talk about, you know, are, are right. That Julian Assange is safe and he's being, he's being debriefed. And, uh, you know, uh, Epstein, the same thing. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. But I'm inclined, I'm inclined to say, again, if they're not being used for the intelligence asset and, and uh, you know, the material that they could bring to the American people, if they're not being used to bring this to the American people, 
and they're actually being killed or put, kept in jail, then really the only thing that can save us is a civil war and overthrowing these cowards and these corrupt agents. And I don't mean it, you know, frivolously. I mean, because they are actively committing crimes. They're committing crimes by allowing the continuation of racketeering operations, conspiracy operations, terrorist financing operations, uh, the deep state military industrial police contact, uh, you know, the, the CIA groups. All of this is being perpetuated and continued rather than stopped, uh, you know, uh, edited, cleansed, and reformatted so that, you know, Americans are once again in control of their government and control of their policies and not being treated like serfs uh, on a plantation or battle bags of blood uh, being just siphoned into the gears of the military industrial political complex. All, of course, being, uh, you know, propagandized and perpetuated by the mainstream media. That, that's the other thing. You know, the mainstream media has lost all sense of uh, truth-telling, and it's because of Mockingbird and the CIA role in there. I mean, hell, I saw it firsthand with... with uh, Michael Isakoff and Tom Hamburger, but you know, I'm I'm maybe I'm one of the few that continues to speak the truth and doesn't back down from anybody who dares, you know, try and jump up and shut me down. Right now, when it comes to these, I'm just going to stay staged events so I, this video doesn't get pulled. But these shootings, um, do you think that the goal is just to scare uh, Americans into trying to disarm us, or do you think there are other agendas besides that as well? Well, I remember the uh, New Zealand event, right? The New Zealand uh, uh, pop gun event, and I'll use my words carefully so that nothing gets pulled, but the New Zealand situation, we, uh, we analyzed and exposed that entire film frame by frame and absolutely unequivocally determined that no real projectiles had been uh, fired into human bodies or walls, that the human bodies did not react in the traditional way that human bodies react when they're impacted by a high-caliber bullet. Uh, there's no blood, there's no stains, there's no holes, there's no crawling and screaming, there's no chunks of bone or flesh, there's no massive amounts of blood that go exploding as when you hit an artery or hit a few of them. Uh, none of that was in the, in the uh, New Zealand situation. It was all scripted and false and blanks, and we exposed that. And when we did, we saw that they pulled the video, they threatened people with 10 years in jail, they pulled the manifesto, they threatened people with jail. We downloaded the video before they scrubbed it, but when we did that, they pulled our YouTube channel. So YouTube, Google, Facebook are all facing a class action law lawsuit for aiding and abetting a crime. They were covering up a crime. They were perpetuating a psyop on the American public by saying this had happened when in fact it did not. And the scientific material and evidence will be brought into a court and said, you know, this is all a lie. And they pulled our video, pulled our YouTube channel because they were continuing to lie. They wanted this lie for their own, uh, you know, totalitarian purposes. And that's not what community standards are all about. When you're going to say you, you uh, are pulling someone for community standards, well, the essence of community standard is truth and trust and relationship. And that's a mutual thing. Uh, the, the, the people of this country cannot have trust or truth or a relationship with YouTube or Google if uh, they are being purposely lied to. So even the community standards rule falls, you know, falls apart. But I do think it was an objective to, for, for confiscation of guns for the uh, psychological cultivation in people 
that they should feel guilty and afraid and scared and, and mad that, and, and in, in a sense, they are insane if they want to keep guns. That was the PSYOP. They're trying to convince people that uh, if you don't turn in all your guns and if you don't want to, you know, uh, surrender to the rule of the police state, then you're a bad person. They tried to do that in New Zealand. They tried to do it in Sandy Hook. They tried to do it in Boston. They tried to do it in Florida at the gay, you know, the pulse shooting. All of this stuff has been exposed as false. Jim Fetzer has done a phenomenal job. They've, they've attacked Jim Fetzer as well. Lenny Posner has come on. Uh, Jim Fetzer has been denied his right to defend himself with the evidence. Uh, I think it's all going to be reversed, though. Uh, but we saw that in the Walmart shooting a couple weeks ago in, in Texas. I don't believe that happened at all. Imagine, is there a state better armed than Texas? Do you think someone's in a Walmart not going to pull their weapon and kill somebody walking down shooting in a Walmart in Texas? An old granny in a wheelchair is armed in Texas. And I know because I had a concealed carry permit. I always carried. I didn't care what the store said because of that precise possibility of some nut job coming in shooting the place. So I don't believe the shooting happened. I think they, they spurred it out on a Friday. It rattles around people's brain on Saturday and Sunday. And then Monday it's forgotten and they start, start a new week with new political pressures. I think they do that because they realize when people get home, they can deprocess, they can decompress, they can think about things from the week past. And in the thinking and the quietness, they can come to some revelations. They can come to understanding of things like 9-11, of the oddities of uh, the, the shootings and the the, 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 you know, the constitutional issues that really are at the heart of things. They can, they can, you know, ponder their political choices from the Democrats who were up there on stage uh, to Trump. So the, the, the actors, the police agencies, the Masonic agencies, the, you know, whoever's running a lot of the information operations, they do this, uh, you know, to, to destabilize and distract people uh, so that all weekend, all they're talking about are the poor little six-year-old kids that were shot in this event, you know. Oh, and then they show the video of these big overweight women hugging each other with tears down their faces. In fact, they don't have any tears, though. They're just, you know, making a lot of ugly faces. And then they're saying in between their ugly faces and their big whale hugs, uh, I don't want prayers. I want gun control. You heard that one before? That's the mantra. I don't want prayers. I want gun control. So that's the agenda. What do people do? Well, you don't give up. You don't back down. You don't retreat. You arm yourself. Uh, you know your rights. You know your constitution. You know your neighbors. And you prepare yourself for uh, draconian, authoritarian, tyrannical red flag laws. You remove politicians and sheriffs. Uh, you commit politicians, sheriffs, and town councils to never enforce those anti-unconstitutional laws. And you go forward and you take ground and you run for office, and you get other people to run for office. And really, you have to reform your churches, for example, uh, and, and demand that there, there are people rising in the churches or you know, just all over the place. Maybe you go to the fire, fire department and uh, get political leadership out of that, because the fire departments, again, are going to be increasingly, I think, revealed as the, the, the real paramilitary force that wakes up Americans and starts carrying this forward. So people just have to be diligent and, and uh, not back down from all of this, but embrace it. So for the last few minutes that we have, um, I'd like to get your take on 
where you think we're going possibly in the next five to 10 years. You briefly touched on it that you, you're hoping that Trump you know, takes care of these scumbags, that justice will be served. Do you think that these billionaires and these pedophiles are going to get arrested, are going to go down? Do you think that things will actually turn around after the election? Well, I, 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 I do because I think people are evolving a certain way. People uh, are becoming wiser and wiser in general. I mean, when I talk, I mean the conservative, the libertarian, the Republican type of person, uh, not, the, not the lunatic socialist leftist who doesn't know if they're a boy or girl or colors their hair or covers themselves in tattoos or goes around beating people up at Antifa rallies or cries for anarchy and socialism and communism and open borders and all of that lunacy. Those people are out of their minds because they've been educated and cultivated to be that way over 20, 30 years. But I think the mass group of this country are conservative, right, right, you know, center right leaning people. The country is not center left, it's center right. And I think with Donald Trump, they've become more right. And uh, they're, they're becoming more, um, they're becoming more aware that the country has suffered some horrific injuries starting in September 11, 2001, under George Bush, under Cheney, so it's not a Republican thing. They were deceived into voting for George Bush because of his compassionate conservatism claim. Then Obama came in because people were sick and tired of Bush for the wars, and he promised to get us out of the wars, and instead Obama doubled down and continued them. And they overthrew Libya. They overthrew Ukraine. They caused a major uh, break in Crimea, and they, they destroyed the, the Russian-American uh, relations. Then they went into Syria, and then Russia said enough's enough, and it stepped in, and, and uh, we've, we've destroyed the relationship with Russia. And then you had this whole Russian hoax and the confiscation of Russian property and Russian consulates and, uh, you know, just the antagonism of Russia. And then you've got the JCPOA which I thought was a decent, uh, a decent start, and this whole thing was pulled, and now you've got antagonism with Iran. And see, the problem is we don't seem to realize that it's not about Iran, it's about Shia Islam. And Shia Islam is uh, really the more rational, decent people. The Sunni Wahhabi Salafist Islam is all about uh, make, make, make no friends with a Jew or Christian, deceive them in every stratagem of war, and raping little boys and doing all sorts of, if you're a Christian, you're an enemy. That's not apparent in Islam in, in Iran or Syria, but yet we're, we're picking this uh, stupid fight against the Iranians. But we're also, we need to realize that it's not a fight against Iran, it's a, it's a fight against Shia Iraq, it's a fight against Shia India, it's a fight against Shia Pakistan, it's a fight against Shia Iran, as well as Christian Iran and, and Jewish Iran. There's, there's a lot of people uh, in, in the Iranian sector. It, it is not Iraq. And if anybody is under the delusion or the deception that Trump can go in and pick a fight and then end it, uh, it, it won't happen. Uh, we won't go in there and just get a, you know, hit someone and give them a bloody nose. We may go in and give them a bloody nose, but they'll reciprocate with uh, breaking our arm and breaking our neck because we'll lose ships, we'll lose Qatar, we'll suddenly make an enemy of Russia, China, Iran. We'll see all of the entire Asia continent uh, orient itself in a defensive posture against America. And that destroys our economic ties and our relationships. Suddenly, every nation in Central and South America has the same uh, re-political alignment paradigm shift. And Asia, China, does exactly what it said. Uh, you know, it's like a two-front war. 
we're caught up in fighting Iran and Russia on a, on a World War II German-American front, and then we think we can pull off a fight against China and Hong Kong, we cannot fight a two-front war. We, we just don't have the conventional weaponry or finances to do it. We don't have the mental power to do it either because of 19 years of war fatigue. And the American people don't have the will to get into that. So the Pentagon planners and the CIA people that, that talk about this uh, as if, you know, we could go and people like Tom Cotton and these other idiots who say, well, it'll be a real quick missile strike or Hannity saying, well, we're just going to, uh, you know, fire missiles and that's it. You know, we'll stop it when we start it. No, you have no idea what war is about. It's opening a Pandora's box, and it's a Pandora's box of acid, ashes, fire, and death that one strong gust of political ill-favored wind can blow all of that plague back onto America. And then, really, we're destroyed by our own hubris. We're destroyed under the, un, by the weight of our own military political police state. Because, you know, that's, that's the other thing, that the, the military police state in America, these, a lot of these cops and stuff, they, they don't care about freedom or the Constitution. They just want jobs. They want their money. They want their paycheck. They want their, they want their boat. They want their uh, motorcycle. And the way to pay for all that is through arrests and oppression and the confiscation of weapons from, from uh, American citizens. So I could see America descending into a schizophrenic civil war uh, by, by the momentum of our own political hell that we've tried to unleash onto the world, but the winds of fortune are going to blow them back upon us. And, uh, you know, that's a very sad scenario, but on a, on a spiritual uh, sort of a, a you know, a, a karmic level, uh, it kind of makes sense when you think about, well, how many abortions have we had in this country? How, how many, you know, kids and babies have we killed and crushed and do, doomed? How many other countries have we invaded and killed from Libya to Afghanistan to Iraq? Uh, the 9-11 event, you know, the false 9-11 event, the, the lie behind that. All of these things are coming back to haunt us. And it's, it's almost a nightmare. And it's, it's healthy to talk about all this because the truth is always healthy. But it's, it's feared by those who want to continue to, to eat the lie and continue to feast on the lie. And the problem, too, is you have a lot of people in this country that are drunk on cowboy patriotism, meaning they hear the cowboy songs and the, the hats of the cowboys singing, I'm proud to be an American, blah, 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 and it sounds good. You got Coors beer and, and golden retriever dogs and girls in, in high jean shorts and Dodge trucks down in Georgia, and you got big rebel flags and the, and the race car thing and baseball and the, and the, the planes, you know, flying overhead with the smoke. You got all of this pomp and circumstance of patriotism and these sloganeering, uh, you know, gestures and, and language that says, well, we have to fight them over there, you know, so we don't fight them here. And I was at a military event this past weekend. We had some special forces guys come and they were, none of them were wounded, but you know, in a sense they were all halfwits because they were all drugged and trained on, you know, fighting the mission without knowing how this mission started in the first place. How, why, why are you fighting in, in Afghanistan or Iraq? Yeah, there's, there's hero, there's romance and heroism to fighting. No one doubts that who's been in the military, but at some point you have to be a thinking man and step back and say, besides having, you know, fighting as a hero with my brothers, why in the hell am I here? 
What, what, what is going on? Oh, and then you start seeing that the emperor has no clothes, that it's not about a, a big Wizard of Oz green face. It's about the Dick Cheney behind the curtain who is full of lust, full of child pedophilia, full of uh, uh, the defense contractors, Halliburton, full of uh, poppies and opium uh, and, and uh, you know, mineral oil resources that they're trying to confiscate from Syria, trying to confiscate from Venezuela doing coup d'etats in Honduras that are consequently flooding the, 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 the borders with people, you know, fleeing a lot of this stuff. So again, we've opened these Pandora's boxes and, you know, we, we've pushed it out, but now the winds of fortune are blowing them back upon us. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a thing to behold, but, you know, I would always tell people to pray Pray, pray, because what, you know, what I'm reminded of is the, the, the old words that say, if my people who are called according to my name shall humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. And this country needs some major healing and humility uh, to God. And we need to abandon and go on some, uh, you know, fasting in a sense to abandon this material, reckless materialism and uh, this juggernaut of, of uh, you know, exceptionalism and all of this stuff, all, all of that is, is, a, uh, is a, a, a train, a slow train wreck that is, is, is I, I think, going to destroy the country if we don't ride ourselves of it. Very well said. Scott, I want to thank you so much again for coming on tonight. That was such important information. And uh, there's so much more that we could talk about. So I'm definitely going to have to have you back on again. Well, I'm, I'm happy to any time. Uh, I'm glad that you're doing this, what you're doing, because your, uh, you know, your radio station, your, your podcast, your YouTube channels, all that, uh, Chris, is what people are going to be coming to for, for um, you know, strength and encouragement and community. So, uh, you know, I, I'd encourage you to continue. I'm happy to be on with you anytime. Thank you so much, and you have an excellent evening. Thank you, Chris. Take care.